Thank you, Barb, and good morning, everyone. And I don't know, I kind of feel I have two tough acts to follow. Uh, Barb, what a beautiful, um, just really a tribute to your life here. And I know that our center was blessed the day you walked in those doors, I'll tell you for thank sure. You. Yeah. And Ken, thank you for your powerful treatment. <clears throat> so my title today is Habits and Mindsets and Beliefs, Oh My. And so it's kind of like, you know, the lions and tigers and bears, oh my, which is from The Wizard of Oz, because nobody here got the reference, so I, I hope that you do. <laughs> anyway, I want to start with a quote. And this is um, uh, from two physicists. So, according to Bohr and Heisenberg, the universe exists as an infinite number of overlapping possibilities. They're all there in kind of a quantum soup with no precise location or state of being until something happens to lock one of the possibilities into place. And that's by Greg Braden. Dr. Holmes, our Dr. Holmes tells us, our hidden beliefs and deeply held convictions inevitably reflect in our experience and in our environment. And so I think that both of these point to the idea that life is absolutely nothing but potential, that quantum uh, soup, until we step in and we congeal all those possibilities into our actual experiences with our thoughts, feelings, and belief systems. And our science of mind teaching is all about urging us to look at these um, habits and mindsets so that we can live in awareness, and if required, to consciously change those things that no longer serve us. You know, we are taught um, that by creating new habits and beliefs, we can have a greater experience in all areas. All those areas that Dr. Ken mentioned in his beautiful treatment, our loving relationships, our health, our abundance, and our creative expression. So that kind of sets the stage for today. And personally, I have a lot going on. I'm not, I'm not going to share it, but um, kind of every, pretty much every single thought, every pattern of belief that I have um, has sort of been called into my awareness big time over the last little bit. You know, life has caught my attention. And I like to think of myself as a pretty patient person. You know, I have a long tether, and I'm really not one to express a lot of anger or frustration. And that has not entirely been the case for me recently. And what I have figured out is that my habit of calm steadiness has kind of been upended uh, by many things. So selling the Peace Center, um, starting to set an actual timeline for my retirement date, even, you know, just some pandemic angst, all things with kind of deep emotional impacts. And so my habit of being relatively even keeled has been challenged. And um, in my life, I try to notice what I'm noticing. And so this morning I want to talk about habits. Habits of thinking, which in due turn become habits of being, which eventually become habits of action and living. And at the uh, thinking and the being stages, these patterns are subconscious, which then what happens is we tend to repeat them out of awareness because they are subconscious. So. 
It's been a while since I've told one of my corny jokes, so here goes. So there was a fire one night at a convent, and several nuns who lived on the fourth floor were trapped. And they were praying for divine providence to show them the way out of the fire. And one of the sisters screamed, we need to take off our robes and tie them together and climb down to safety. So later, as they were recounting the events to reporters, they were asked if they were afraid that their crude rope uh, might not hold up. And they said, oh no, old habits are hard to break. <laughs> That's a good corny old one, right? For sure, a really good one. And so there's a Spanish proverb that says, habits are first cobwebs and then cables. So this metaphor works well for both good and bad habits. You know, at first, they're not that strong, but, but they do have some structure, kind of like a cobweb. And if we continue to engage in them, the web grows stronger and stronger and can end up being as powerful as a steel cable. And for sure, some habits can definitely work in our favor. Our positive and healthy ones support us. Our other less healthy kind of habitual attitudes can hinder us. And the truth is, is we form our habits and then our habits form us. So we need to pay attention to the habits we're forming. And so I think a part of the gift and the hindrance is that, um, especially over time, is that thing about them being unconscious. So we maybe don't realize, I mean really truly realize that if we could break free of our automatic behaviors and responses, let how much choice we really do have in our lives. And I think sometimes we, or maybe it's just I, but you know, I love the seeming comfort of familiarity. And as they say, you know, even though it's not always comfortable, we become comfortable being uncomfortable. And so we resist changing our thinking because, you know, we're afraid that we won't know how to navigate in the new and um, often uncharted waters. But again, not all habits are troublesome. You know, some are very, very helpful. You know, Amanda shared last week in her talk about her friend who was having open heart surgery and how grateful she was for her habit of her spiritual practice that helped her get through them. And I had a personal experience uh, two Saturdays ago where my habit of going to spiritual practice so in this case, uh, spiritual mind treatment without a single conscious thought was very, very helpful. So I want to share with you what happened. So Ken and I were dog-sitting our grand dog for the weekend. And Ken was going to be the best grand dog grandpa ever. And so he got up extra early to take Bella, the 120-pound Great Pyrenees, out for a walk. So he put her lead on, and she, of course, was just so happy to go out with him. So I was uh, puttering about, um, not really paying much attention, and, but after a couple of minutes, the, the doorbell rung. And I thought Ken had forgotten something, so I opened the door, and he's standing there, and he said, I, I broke my arm. Bella saw another dog and she bolted and she pulled me down and I fell on my elbow and wrist. So I brought him in, brought the dog in, he sat on the couch. 
And I swear to goodness, without a single conscious thought of what should I do, I laid my hands on his arms and I started to do a spiritual mind treatment. And I did it loudly. And I did it with a lot of feeling, with what I think um, Dr. Ernest Holmes would have been proud of me for the fire, that impetus of feeling and power in that treatment. I said, you know, there is one power, there is one presence, one perfect life. Right where Ken is, all the healing power in the universe is making whole his perfect arm. Well, just as I was really amping up, he threw his head back, his eyes closed, and he started to shake and gurgle, and, and he, was, he was not there anymore. And I was yelling, Ken, Ken, and nothing. So I, then I just kept going. I was treating for life and nothing but life right where he is, perfect, whole, and complete. And I actually started to slap his cheeks, and I was shouting, Ken, come back. Don't you dare go anywhere out there. And uh, then went back to just the healing, the wholeness of life and nothing. So I ran, and I got the phone, and I dialed 911. And do you know the first thing they ask you is, do you live in an apartment or a house? I'm like, yeah, I need help here. So I said, I need an ambulance. And finally they said, okay, well, what's going on? And I said, well, he fell down. He is totally unconscious, and he's gurgling. And, and, I, and then I hear this small voice in the background. And he said, Deb. I'm okay. I, 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 I don't need an ambulance. So I said just a second to the uh, 911 operator, and Ken said, I'm okay. I'm back. My name is Ken Gordon. My birthday is September the 5th, 1952. My social insurance number is blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and uh, so he was okay. He was cognizant, and his arm wasn't broken. He was really, really sore, but it was a way, way better outcome than some of what I did not allow to flit across my imagination. So, what a great habit to have. To go to spirit first when something seemingly goes awry. And that is a habit I want to continue to keep solid. And I really love that I didn't even think for a minute what to do. You know, I, I kind of felt like uh, Emma Curtis Hopkins. Uh, at least I think this is about her. Uh, but there's a story about how she fell off a horse and uh, really badly hurt her arm. But because she was out in the country in a place where there was absolutely no help of any kind, she knew she had to do her mental healing work and to do it well. So some habits are really good. And we want to cultivate, strengthen, and keep those. And we can cultivate new habits that can replace those that do not serve us. And this requires us to exercise our thought muscles to start thinking in new ways to create new belief systems. And this does require some vigilance for sure. Because like I said, most of this is unconscious. But good places to look for those habits that might need some reparations, you know, might be in relationships, might be in our work life, and maybe even with our close relatives. You know, I find as so often happens, it is easier to recognize some of these things in relationship with others than to just see it within our own selves. You know, I've noticed, and maybe you have too, that uh, on my own, Without people and their stuff, I'm just fine. Like, you know, just do it all my way. I'm kidding, of course. You know, and so one of the major keys to changing 
is to become aware of our beliefs and our behaviors as they are now in order to change them. And we need to change them in ourselves. So long as I believe that you're the reason that something is happening to me or that I'm feeling the way that I am, I am pretty much helpless to take responsibility to change anything. So I want to share an example of looking at one of my old patterns that came to me out of doing the fear to faith exercise in our foundations class that's currently going on. And the exercise is quite brilliant, and I know many of you who I've seen online today um, are familiar with it. And so fear to faith goes through sort of a meditative process um, that begins by asking you to consciously identify a conflict or a disturbing situation in your life. And again, it's important to look at the issue because awareness is curative. And it is really hard to consciously change something we are not consciously aware of. So you come up with this issue. And then you go within and you name what the feeling is that you associate with that situation. So for me, it was something that happened um, when we were in California, actually. And the interaction brought on a great feeling of shame in me, which feels really, really yucky. And then uh, this process goes on to realize what the behavior um, that we typically resort to is when we try to avoid that feeling. And so without awareness, um, it's very natural to just try to avoid our bad feelings. So for me, when I feel shame, my automatic go-to reaction and habit is to shut down or to withdraw. So does that make sense? So something happens out there I feel shameful for. I don't want to feel the shame, so I stop it by just, just withdrawing, taking my toys and going home. And so the issue is, is that shutting down doesn't heal the shame feelings. It only stops them temporarily until the next situation comes up that brings up the shame again. So the next part of the process is to identify what God quality could actually erase and replace, in, in this case, my habit of shutting down. So for me, that aspect of spirit that felt right and felt like it would be the opposite of withdrawing was joy. Mm -hmm. And then the uh, exercise actually goes on to a powerful body prayer uh, practice that implants that new connection, which looks like I release my belief in shame, I release my need to shut down, mm -hmm. I am grateful God is the joy that I am. Ooh, come on. Mm -hmm. And so the result is a process that allows us to create a new habit pattern and one that is spirit-based rather than negative habit-based. So this is a really great tool for identifying our hidden beliefs and bringing them to the capital L light so that we can replace them with that light. Ralph Waldo Emerson has an essay about circles, and I paraphrased it greatly. Um, but basically what he says is, to have a new experience, we have to draw a new circle. And for me, that fear to faith exercise supports us in drawing a new circle and creating a new response. 
Also, in, in order not only to just draw a new circle, but to actually move into it, we have to let go of our old assumptions, our identities, again, our habits and our beliefs. All those things which have worked together to create our current circle of experience. And sometimes that means moving beyond what we believe is possible, or sometimes even what we might think is appropriate in order to be available to all uh, potential that is out there. We must also sometimes be um, willing to do something without completely knowing the how or the why or the outcome. And so this involves letting go of the need to control and to understand everything so that we can move beyond what we've known before. And I know that is a challenge for me and maybe for some of you too. And the way that I heard this the other day is that if we want changes in our mindsets, we must allow our borders to be permeable. We need to be available to a larger picture than our own self-circumscribed circle of being. So again, and I'll repeat it, you can't change what you don't acknowledge. So I thought it might be productive to look into some habitual mental mindsets that might be problematic for some of us. Um, the first step, bring them to conscious awareness and then choose something different, a bigger circle. And so these mindsets actually come from a ministerial class on pastoral counseling that was taught uh, by Dr. Andrea Acevedo. And I just, I thought these were so interesting, I wanted to share them with you. So the first mental mindset is quite pervasive pretty easy to see a lot of in our world right now. And it's the mindset of fear. Now, I don't know if you've ever really thought of fear as being a habit, but it is. So fear shows up in a lot of different ways. We have anxiety, we have worry, we have terror, lots of ways. And usually when we perceive a threat, we manipulate or control to try to keep ourselves safe. We defend ourselves. Typically, though, our fear habits don't serve us in living an expanded life. So if we are in a fear habit, just try to bring to mind, like, what might be the antidote? What might be the different thing that could make our circle bigger? And my hunch is it might be in some of the uh, qualities of spirit, like love or joy or power. So those things will help us create a new mindset to replace our fear thoughts. The next uh, mental uh, mindset that she talked about, which I think is super interesting, is desire. And this is the habit of thinking that somewhere there is a magic pot of gold, something that will just fill all of our needs and grant our wishes. Anyone got a taste yeah. of that? Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, if I just win the lottery everything, everything will be good. And what sometimes happens when this mindset is held long enough without the big win, the person just gives up. They just abandon the situation and those involved. And so, again, what might be part of making the bigger circle? I think maybe something like cultivating a belief that our good is here now, or maybe there is enough in this present moment or maybe just a, a contentment with what is. The next is the mindset of judgment. 
And this is about being critical and being caught up in our own opinions. And this one too is about that need for safety. There's sort of a, a felt need for keeping the bad or the other at bay. And judgment is also about creating sort of that tight, narrow pathway where I'm right and they are wrong. It's that either-or worldview. What might make that circle bigger? Maybe some new mindsets of acceptance, maybe surrender, maybe even just capital T truth. The next habit is control. Any controllers out there? <laughs> there are those of us um, who very much like our I's dotted and our T's are crossed and the right way, thank you very much. So controllers tend to think that they're right, which can make them hard to work with. So what are some wider habits to break through that control circle? Well, I think there's got to be something in there about creating room, about giving it some air and space, maybe opening to new ideas or trusting and trusting the wisdom of others around as well. The next one is illusion. And these are habits of thinking where there is a rejection of facts of what's really happening and also projection, which is putting our emotions and shortcomings onto others, seeing it out there. And sometimes this is about pretending uh, to be something that we're not, so that there is a sense of really not being grounded in the reality of what is. The antidote to this, um, I think, is something about being aware of what's truly going on or facing the, the facts of the real-life situation. The last mindset is denial. And so this is ignoring what's really going on or pretending that things are other than they are. You know, there's an acronym, I think, don't even know that I'm lying. Mm -hmm. The key to breaking this one is being more aware, asking questions, getting clarity, and seeing what is really, really happening, even if it's uncomfortable or painful. So if any of us relate to these very, very common mindsets, we will see that the path in freedom, the path to freedom, lies in being able to go outside the confines of what we've already believed to be so. You know, if we want the freedom that comes from going outside our circles, we have to be aware and ask ourselves, being willing to say, you know, where the heck did that come from? And to re-navigate. And, for sure, it requires vigilance, it requires awareness, and it requires the willingness to confront ourselves and our habits and to replace them with new, more life-giving ones. And so the payoff? You know, as we take a more conscious role in our unfolding lives, we become more free and more and more of our truest spirit self. When we're driven less from that old programming, we can express greater love, life, light, peace, power, beauty, and joy. Yeah. And if you've heard it once, you've heard it so many times. You know, we are the authors of our experience. Life does not just happen to us. We shape our lives with our conscious thoughts and our subconscious beliefs, and we can create new habits that will lead us into that life that we truly love to live.
Michael Singer, in his book The Untethered Soul, writes, Limitations and boundaries only exist at the places where you stop going beyond. And I want us to take a conscious evolutionary leap for us and humanity and to go beyond. I hope you will come with me. Peace and many blessings. Yay.